Welcome to the World Languages Collaborative Podcast, a series of podcasts aiming to help language teachers improve their craft through innovative ideas, strategies, and best practices from expert teachers. The World Languages Collaborative brings language teachers together from all over the state of Georgia and beyond to exchange ideas and perspectives on teaching and learning languages. The World Languages Collaborative podcast is an extension of this effort and is brought to you by the Department of World Languages and Cultures at Georgia Southern University. I'm your host, Grant Gearhart, Associate Professor of Spanish at Georgia Southern. My guest today is Mr. Patrick Wallace. Patrick is the Program Specialist for World Languages and Global Workforce Initiatives for the Georgia Department of Education. He serves on many boards and committees, including the Atlanta Global Studies Center, the Center for Urban Language Teaching and Research, and the Center for the Advancement and Study of International Education. He is also a member of the World Languages Collaborative Committee, so it's appropriate that he be the first guest on this podcast. Welcome, Patrick. All right, Patrick, welcome to the World Languages Collaborative Podcast, Episode 1. Uh, why don't we start off with you just telling us uh, briefly a little about yourself. Sure, thank you for having me. My name is Patrick Wallace. I serve as the Program Specialist for World Languages and Global Workforce Initiatives with the Georgia Department of Education. Prior to coming to the Department of Ed, I was a German teacher of 24 years in two counties, Spalding and Fayette counties, as well as Walker County, was a two-time Teacher of the Year and also German Teacher of the Year. So glad to be here, glad to connect. Awesome, well, we're glad to have you. Um, Tell us a little bit about what got you interested in languages. What was it that, that drew you in to want to study languages and then later uh, become an educator, a language educator? Well, I mean, I think that uh, my, my, my story starts with a teacher, a great teacher, a German teacher in DeKalb County um, who I took German. I was, uh, of course, one of those kids who was like, well, what language do I take? My brother had taken German. Um, and so I was like, okay, let me try German and just fell in love with it. The first language I had ever encountered uh, didn't grow up in a multilingual household. So it was the first real experience I had with a different language. And, and then I just kind of fell in love with it. I love, I, and the more I discovered, the more I loved it, the more I loved learning about language and the culture behind it. So and it's taken me, um, you know, a lot of places in life, including many different places I otherwise would not have been and made so many connections I otherwise would not have made. So it was a great decision. And thank you, Betty Blau. Yeah, I think that uh, you know, my story is really similar. I had a, a fantastic high school Spanish teacher named Geneva Story, and um, she really gave me the opportunity to, to study Spanish um, after courses were were offered only to the second year and I, I kind of begged her to, to let me do like an independent study for Spanish three and four um, and she helped facilitate that and uh, that sort of paved the way. So tell me a little bit about what got you into language advocacy. What drew you to that part of the profession? Well, I think I've always been a language advocate within the school where I worked, and uh, I had the opportunity, a position was open at the Department of Ed, and I applied and, and did an interview, and a few days back, I heard that they, you know, they were wanting to hire me. So then, you know, coming on board the Department of Ed, I think it just gave me, a, I was already a language advocate online. I had a social media presence, uh, had a 
um, a Facebook page with over 100,000 followers on German language learners, Violin and Deutsch. So I was very already in my element of German, very outgoing, very proactive. And coming to the DOE, I kind of carried a lot of those tools that I'd used as a teacher there. So definitely advocacy is a part of what I do, very much supportive uh, of many different programs, but advocating and supporting our world language educators across the state is a, is a deep passion of mine. And I have the freedom uh, here at the Department of Ed to do some of that advocacy work within within bounds and certainly appreciate the leadership that we have at the Georgia Department of Ed that have really allowed me to, to grow and respond as needed to my environment, to the teachers I serve. And, and uh, so it's been a, a great role for me. It was a natural role. And I think I brought in a lot of tools that helped me to amplify the role in perhaps ways that had never been done before. So I think it was a really, a really good move for me personally and professionally, but I think also um, it's just been a joy to advocate and to support our world language educators at all levels, really, even the university level in many respects as well. Absolutely. Um, so I noticed that we have a couple in the state of Georgia, we have a couple of, of uh, language initiatives uh, in uh, taking place. One of them is the seal of biliteracy. Uh, and the, also is all, the other one is the dual language immersion initiative. Can you talk a little bit about those? Sure. Well, the Georgia Seal of Biliteracy became law in 2016. Uh, I was hired right as the seal uh, was beginning to be first um, available to students in 2017. So I was on board with the Seal of Biliteracy since its inception, the implementation of it, that is. And it's just been a great program. It, we have really reached out in a lot of different ways to many, a great variety of heritage speaking communities and and just letting our schools and systems know that students who have high ability in a second language can now be uh, recognized for that in a very meaningful way that has workforce uh, implications. So these kids who are high in other languages, they have many options available to them beyond what was uh, available before. So it's a really great program. It's a national program, a national movement, as you know, began in 2011 in California and has spread now, I think it's uh, the law in almost every state, perhaps 48 of the states. Uh, so it's really remarkable to see that much growth in a program nationally, but here in Georgia, it's also grown quite uh, well in the four or five years now that I've been overseeing the program. We have over 2000 students every year who are receiving this recognition for high ability in a second language. And every state sets the bar of proficiency different uh, according to their state law. But in general, uh, in Georgia, we have ours at intermediate high. I think it's a good benchmark to meet on the actual proficiency scale. And then the dual language immersion is just an, another fantastic uh, educational program. Lots of research, lots of data to support the effectiveness of this program. Um, and it has been growing in Georgia. We are the leader. Uh, I would say in general in the Southeast, uh, Atlanta in particular, but Georgia in general is a leader in world language education. Dual language immersion, we have over 70 programs now in six different languages. And they're not all, con the majority of them are concentrated in the metro area, but increasingly over the last few years, we've seen new programs uh, initiate in Savannah and in Dalton and some other places. So it is growing and I think it's uh, definitely um, a proven model 
to help close gaps for all learners. And so it's really incredible. And uh, the another program that I oversee that um, also I wanna mention is the International Skills Diplomacy Program. Uh, this program is uh, was established in 2015. Georgia is one of, I think only a few states that has a program like this. Um, but that program has also grown and now we have 110 participating high schools all across the state of Georgia where we are recognizing students who have embarked upon a course of study with an international component. That means they are world language pathway completers, at least three years of a language, but they also have a lot of coursework with a global focus. And this is another part of the work I do, which is beyond language, which is about global competency and making sure that our students who graduate are also aware, increasingly it's important, more and more important, that they are entering a globally diverse and interconnected marketplace. And regardless of what work that is, nonprofit, national security, um, governmental, for-profit entities, they all need these uh, individuals with strong interpersonal, intercultural skills and the ability to work across um, borders. So an incredibly effective and I think enriching program as well. So I'm very happy about all three of those areas. Yeah, these are very exciting initiatives that I would, I would even call now, they're really not initiatives. They're actually things that are, that are in full motion. And, right. are, and are gaining momentum. Um, and you and I have coincided at a few conferences related to languages for the professions. Um, how would you describe Georgia's economy as a changing economy that's lending itself more to, uh, to needing a labor force well-versed in, uh, in language skills, international skills, global competency, to use that term? Um, have, you, have you noticed a change in Georgia's economy or are you predicting there to be a continued growing need for these types of uh, skills in our labor force? Well, I mean, absolutely. Atlanta's um, GDP, just Atlanta is an economic engine by itself that has a, an economic output greater than 30 states. So, I mean, we're talking about Georgia is a global player. We are a global marketplace and we have the fourth largest port, fast growing port, interconnected rail, highway. I always tell people we're the mouth of the South. So a lot of things are coming in this way and they're going to all points uh, into Alabama, Tennessee. Growth is happening all up and down those thoroughfares. And in addition to that, you have this rapid expansion of online commerce as well. So all of this has made Georgia really uniquely placed uh, and, and to even put more on that, just the diversity that is in place in Georgia and a growing amount of diversity that's in our state. Uh, all of this contributes to the important need for us to really work and develop talent within our state to fill the needs of the industries that are here. Uh, we are an internationally connected state as well. Atlanta is home to uh, consulates and um, entities from around the world who have diplomatic relations there too. So it's very important. We've had the ability to work with our counterparts in the Georgia Department of Economic Development, as well as with the International Affairs Office of the City of Atlanta. We are of one accord and that is to create an environment that helps to grow Georgia companies, to help them to expand globally and also welcomes the world to invest here in Georgia. And, and that has contributed and is contributing to jobs for Georgians, for success, for economic um, 
prosperity for our region. So these are things that are definitely in motion and it's not all related. We're all interconnected, I would say. So my, my role is to uh, work within our school system to make sure that we are imparting part of that global competence and global knowledge because our students, when they graduate, they have the ability to work for international companies, perhaps even just a few miles from where they grew up. And so, and whether it's agriculture or whether it's um, industry or whether it's service industry, all of these areas have an international component. And it's so critical that we have workforce in all of those areas that are, are, are sensitive and can work with people from a variety of different backgrounds and countries. So there's no doubt economic, the economic output, the economic engine that is Georgia is also helping to drive this increased focus on building global competence in our schools and in our students as they graduate, because that is the reality outside their door. And it is the reality when they go online. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, you, you made some great points there. One really stuck out to me, which was uh, developing workforce talent right here in the state of Georgia. That's competitive. That's going to be attractive for companies who want to come in uh, or do commerce with other companies that are established in Georgia. Uh, that's so important for our economy moving forward. Um, I wanted to ask you about, uh, so, you know, you, you mentioned some great things that, uh, that I, I are, are tremendous going on in the, at the high school level. Um, how can we bridge high school to university level language study? How can we enhance or build upon what's being done uh, for these students at their high schools when they transition to uh, higher education? What, uh, what initiatives should we be looking at doing, uh, those of us who are, who are teaching uh, at the university level? Well, one of the centerpieces that I've always honed in on is, is that centerpiece of synergy and creating an environment where people communicate with each other across structures and with each other across institutions. So I think that we've been really proactive in trying to develop this cohesion of communication at the very least between the university and high school settings. I think there's still work to be done, but a lot of work is being done. Uh, I would point to the Greater Atlanta Coalition for Global Education and Research, which is a, a coalition that is formed to try to uh, push forward global competency and intercultural skills uh, as a workforce um, imperative for our region. But that's just one of many different such uh, activities that are going on. And, and I think it's really important to involve uh, all of Georgia's regions in that. So whether we're working with Columbus State or Georgia Southern or with uh, UGA or Georgia Tech or uh, Kennesaw State or Georgia State or any of the other institutions that make up Georgia, you know, working with the university system, they're all independent entities, but yet also sort of loosely loosely uh, combined in this university system of Georgia. So just increasing communication with all of those entities so that they're aware of what's going on in K-12, but also advocating for um, them to be, begin to change and adapt to create structures that help our kids graduating with the International Skills Diploma Seal or with the Georgia Seal of Biliteracy, helping them to articulate into the university system and so that they can gain 
um, that knowledge that they're going to need to increase their um, their ability to work in in the field of work that's waiting, as we've already talked about with Georgia being so global. So I think it's just a matter of connecting the dots, increasing that community community um, connections, and also just working in a in a very systematic way to build and advocating for how do we begin to connect these dots? Um, how can we move with a, a system or a school to move kids into a path at the university level where they continue their language skills and continue developing those cultural uh, skills and uh, community skills, but that relates to what they've done in K-12. So it, I think that's a critical piece really is, is making sure um, that we, we try to connect those dots because we want our talent to not stop at the front door of college. We want it to be welcomed in and continue on as if it's a seamless chain, uh, seamless transition. And I think that's what university systems want. You know, they want uh, these students as well to consider their institutions. Uh, so we have to work together about ways that we can we can connect those dots. We have a thousand students a year that graduate with an international skills diploma seal. So what's their next step? Where do they go? What does the university system of Georgia offer them? And then how to, how, how to help them make those decisions about where they should go best if they're interested in pursuing work at an international level. You know, we have kids who graduate with a seal of bioliteracy. What programs can we hook them up with? We did create a, a document that kind of outlined all of the language offerings at most of the major uh, colleges and universities here in Georgia, just as information. You know, outreach to parents is critical. How do we do that? Yeah, I've had several conversations with parents at, um, at admission events where I sort of lay out a very pragmatic argument for language study um, because I think a lot of times that's that's what parents want to know is what's my child going to be able to do with uh, with these courses or a degree in, in a language or a minor in a language so I think communicating clearly with the parents is is a really big step in bridging that gap from high school to college um, for sure I wanted to ask you because you've laid out some incredible things that are going on what are some of the challenges we're facing right now in, in, uh, in language education, not only in the state of Georgia, but I would say sort of even, even beyond in, in, this, in this country. And how do we deal with that? Well, I mean, one challenge that I'm always uh, thinking about and actively engaged in, in many ways, is just finding talent, talent for our schools uh, to offer languages, building pipelines of talent so that we can grow programs. Uh, you've got to be able, to um, find and train talent if you want to grow programs. Dual language immersion is another example of that. So I've, we've been very proactive forward leaning, I think in this regard, more so than many states in our union. I would say, you know, we have a, uh, a teacher ESOL dual language immersion world language job fair that we have started as statewide. We've gone virtual with that. Uh, we actively help our systems uh, to recruit talent. We are engaged 
in programs to build teacher certification pathways. We work with the Georgia Professional Standards Commission to try to do that as well. So we're very forward thinking, very proactive and in, in innovative ways, I feel, to try to find that talent because without talent, uh, those programs don't exist and we can't grow. So that's job number one. I think another area is just continuing to build and work on building support that is curricular for schools and for systems in order for them to be able to build those programs as well. So building um, training programs for dual language immersion teachers, also administrators, also the ESOL side of that equation, uh, world language, building online world language um, units, which we've done, we built five um, courses online in the last uh, two and a half years or so to help world language educators. I think uh, it's all about just continuing to try to build that synergy, continuing to try to respond to the needs that are environment. I always say that we stretch towards solutions, right? We find out, we go out, we communicate, we are actively connected with the network that we serve. And based on their feedback and what we see, we actively then engage in trying to build solutions for that network. So uh, if there's, if, and that's one of the great things about this job too, you know, I'm there for systems. I'm also there for entities, nonprofits as well, and other governmental entities that wanna be involved. But I'm also there for individual teachers. So teachers do reach out to me with individual questions or, or in need of individual support. So we support that as well. I think we just have to continue to be responsive and use all the tools available to us. Um, I have to rely on partners being a, a sort of army of one. I don't have the resources to be and do everything. So I do rely a lot on our partners to try to leverage those to support those that need it and also work proactively in a lot of ways. So, I mean, there are some incredible things going on. You know, we haven't talked about certifications of being uh, translators or interpreters. That's also a growing, I think, area that we need to focus in on, particularly um, for schools, but also for our legal system here in Georgia, you know, continuing to be able to provide uh, we're not only building students with these skills, we're not only building a teacher core that can provide them, but we're also trying to actively build through that outreach other systems in our society that can support all of our different communities that make up our great state. So uh, we are really performing a critical role, I think, in a lot of areas. So um, it's never boring. Great. Well, my my last question is a pretty basic one, and it's just what can language teachers do to support language learning on a broader scale outside our classrooms or our departments or our schools, for example? Can you think of one or two concrete things that we can be doing to be our own best advocates, I guess? Well, I always say that advocacy starts with doing the best job possible in the place that you are. So in whatever role you feel, whether it's being a teacher in a classroom, a Spanish teacher in rural Georgia, or being a, an IB teacher or an AP teacher, your first job and your first responsibility is always to our students. And if we do a great job in our classrooms and we do the best job we can, that in and of itself is also advocacy for our profession. Secondly, I would say that we just need to also be more advocate, 
uh, be more um, be more proactive and advocate in, uh, as well in in other circles as well. Whether be active online, stay connected is another thing I say most importantly too. So it's 2021 soon to be 2022 there's no reason why we can't be connected so i would encourage them to get connected with their organizations that support foreign language or world language learning uh, get connected with other teachers who can support you as well and build those teacher communities whether it's in your school or online uh, or both so i think these are the things that an, an average teacher my 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 number one thing for teachers is I know you have a huge job, so I want you to do the very best you can in the place you are, but don't forget that you are also, you have a voice and you can raise that voice also and encourage others as well, because uh, like I said, the role that we do is really critical. And I think um, as we move forward, even with this pandemic, we've seen this as well, just the need to, when we um, tackle global issues, sustainability uh, health issues, security issues, they require the cooperation of multiple uh, entities across time zones and across languages and cultures. So what they are doing is critical for the future of our state economically, strategically, and that goes as well for our nation. So it's super important work, um, but they do it first and foremost where they are placed and where they have been given that um, that responsibility. So do the best job you can where you are, but don't forget to pull your eyes up out and look around and support one another. All right, great. Well, Mr. Patrick Wallace, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast and especially for being our episode one initial guest. Um, and we will see you soon at the World Languages Collaborative this fall. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the World Languages Collaborative podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode with Mr. Patrick Wallace. And please give us a like and share this podcast with your colleagues and anyone interested in languages. To learn more about the World Languages Collaborative, contact Dr. Mark Linsky from Savannah Chatham County Public School System at mark.linsky at sccpss.com. That's mark, M-A-R-K dot Linsky, L-I-N. S-K-Y at S-C-C-P-S-S dot com. Again, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.